Hi, and welcome to Come Read With Me, Rev Chris. Chris and David are currently recording Season 3, but until then, check back here for a sermon from the archives. This week, we have a sermon from guest speaker Simon Jenkins. Enjoy. So I looked at um, our Gospel reading for this morning, uh, a wedding that didn't go quite according to plan, and um, I thought, oh, why don't I preach from St. Paul instead, which is uh, unusual for me. I mean, any day, give me Jesus over Paul, Um, but on this occasion, I thought Paul might have some good things to tell us on this particular Sunday. So we're going to look at this passage in Paul, and I want to focus uh, on one verse, and it's this one. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And I want to ask, what is this peace that transcends understanding? Well, we can see it in the life of Paul himself. Paul is writing to the Christians in Philippi, in northern Greece. And the story of how Paul got to know them is in the book of Acts. And Acts tells us that Paul crosses over from Turkey, or what is now Turkey, into northern Greece. He gets to Philippi and he starts preaching by the river. But he quickly gets into trouble with the local people and he's thrown into prison by the magistrates. But before he's thrown in prison, he and his friends are publicly beaten. And so there they are in the innermost cell of a Roman prison in the middle of the night, in chains, bleeding from their wounds, and then something wonderful happens, something really unexpected. And the Book of Acts has this lovely little verse which just says, about midnight they were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. And it's just such an atmospheric and kind of almost weird little scene that there's this singing coming out of this horrible place. There's something happening here which can't be explained. There's joy unexpectedly bursting out of a Roman cell at midnight. What is this? What can explain it? It's something that passes understanding. These prisoners singing for joy even while they're bleeding in their chains. There's peace here and there's composure here even in this circumstance. And now ten years later here's Paul writing his letter to the Philippians and where is he writing from? He's writing from Rome, the centre of the Roman world. And specifically, he's writing from prison. I'm in chains for Christ, he says in chapter one of this book. And he's waiting to go on trial before the emperor. The emperor is Nero, which is not very encouraging for someone who's a prisoner. Nero was a very unpredictable and a totally powerful person. And he must have been a really daunting and probably terrifying prospect 
to be going before the Emperor Nero and pleading for your life. And that's why earlier in the letter, Paul says, I eagerly hope that I will not be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So here he is, he's kind of living on this precipice between life and death. And what does Paul write in this grim prison cell? He writes, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And it's just like the Philippian jail all over again. You know, there's joy coming off the page of this letter even though it's written in these terrible circumstances. And then he writes, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And you realize, well, this is someone who knows what he's talking about. He's writing about a quality of peace which can sustain you even though you're on death row in fear and trembling for your life this mysterious peace which passes understanding is a powerful thing. So what is it? What is this mysterious peace of of God which passes understanding? Well, Paul is invoking a wonderful word from the Old Testament. It's a word that appears throughout the Old Testament but it shines out especially in a blessing which is given in the book of Numbers, and we probably all know it. The blessing is this, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance and give you shalom, give you peace. And it's this word shalom still used familiarly among Jewish people and also among Palestinian people as Salam, carries an amazing depth of meaning. It was the prophets, it was Isaiah and Amos and Hosea and the other prophets who had a dream of Shalom, of how things ought to be. And let me read you this description of it by an American theologian, Cornelius Plantinga. He says this, The prophets dreamed of a new age in which human crookedness would be straightened out and rough places made plain. The foolish would be made wise and the wise humble. They dreamed of a time when the deserts would flower, when the mountains would run with wine, weeping would cease, and people could go to sleep without weapons in their laps. Lambs could lie down with lions, and all humankind could be knit together in brotherhood and sisterhood. And all nature and all humans would look to God, would walk with God, lean towards God, and delight in God. Shalom means, it is well with my soul. And that rings a bell, doesn't it? as we sing that hymn, it is well with my soul. We are saying that God's shalom 
is present in our lives, that the goodness of God rests on us and nourishes us. But it's not just an individual thing. Shalom means it is well with my soul, but it also means it is well with my friends. It is well with my church. It is well with my neighborhood. It is well with our city, with London. It is well between nations. It is well with creation. And even as we think about that, or think about this kind of widening circle of shalom, we can see how tragically far we fall short of shalom in our broken world, how far we fall short in the very land where our faith came from. Because what is shalom? Shalom is wholeness and flourishing and justice and community and relationship and delight. It is everything working together for good. There's a famous saying of the English mystic, Mother Julian of Norwich, who has a vision of Christ, and she pours out to Christ her anxiety about the state of the world. And Christ says to her that despite everything, despite the horrors of the world, if you like, that in the end, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. And it is this, this is the shalom of God, which ultimately will bring all things together in completion. Now, while it's comforting and encouraging to read about Paul's experience of God's peace, and about his courage in the face of death all those centuries ago. Faith is a living thing and not a past thing. And we have to live it now in our time. Today we have to live it. This Sunday we have to live it. This Sunday, which is an anxious day. Let me remind you why it's an anxious day. Nora, a Lebanese Christian from a Muslim family, joined our church in lockdown. Uh, when we were all meeting together on Zoom. I'm sure everyone here who was there at the time will remember it. May remember those days of being on Zoom as church. And Nora still posts from time to time on our church WhatsApp. And yesterday morning, 2 a.m. from faraway Lebanon, unable to sleep, maybe, she posted this. Please, if anyone's awake, say a prayer for Gaza. My friends and family there are out of internet and we don't know anything about them. Israel threatened to bomb the north. More than two million Palestinians are trying to evacuate towards the south. It's heartbreaking. I'm sorry if this is not the right place to mention all of this. I just feel so completely helpless and I can only resort to prayer. And I'm so challenged by Nora's faith in, in reaching out to us and in reaching out to God in prayer, in, in this time of incredible anguish for her, as for so many other people. And as people of Shalom, of Salam, as people of the peace of God, what can we do in this circumstance? Well, we can pray. 
we can respond to need. World Vision has just opened an appeal for the children of Gaza. We can get in touch with Jewish friends and with Palestinian friends to let them know that they are in our hearts, that we know their fears and troubles. We can, through prayer and action, do the work of peace, help bring the peace of God into the world. And Paul shows us in his letter how this works. In our reading, he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. And I would say, okay, Paul, but that's impossible to do, actually. You know, if you're anxious, you can't say to yourself, don't be anxious. But Paul might say back, yes, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And it's like Paul is saying, take your anxiety, take your anguish, and take it to God, and present it to God. And he uses this word, petition. And to petition is to make your case, is to argue, is to quarrel, if you like, is to lament, is to complain to God, is to pour out to God all that you feel about the situation you're in. And this is what we do with our anxiety. We take it to God and share it with God. And then he says, when you've done this, when your gentleness is evident, when you know the Lord is near, when you've taken your anxieties to God, then the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then Paul adds, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true or noble or right, whatever is pure or lovely or admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And that is like saying, keep your mind in good places. You know, think about the good things which nourish you. Don't let your mind dwell on the video clips or the graphic news reports. You know, be informed, but don't let your mind dwell on these terrible things. But keep your mind in the good places where you are able to do good things and be the person that is needed in the situation. He says then, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And then he comes back again to this thought, and the God of peace will be with you. He keeps coming back to this, this idea of peace, of God's shalom, which will be with us and which will nourish us, even in a time of anxiety. And this is like really good advice. Walk in the way of Jesus, Paul says and the peace of God will be with you. Live the life of peace in order to know peace ourselves and to share it into the world. Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid.